Just a quick note before this podcast begins, I just want to apologize. I know the volume right now sounds good. Episode one and two were recorded without me being aware of it, but my microphone wasn't actually being picked up. So it was just being recorded directly into my computer mic. So everything from here on out will be recorded correctly. I finally figured out why it wasn't working. The rest of this episode will be a bit quiet. So if you want to use earbuds, it will probably help. Thanks for listening. And here's episode two. Hello and welcome back to episode two of the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. My name is Jennifer and I am HIV positive. I know, that might sound weird. I start off my YouTube channel intros that way. I would say my name is Jennifer, I'm HIV positive, and this is a channel about me living my life with HIV. I just always want to put it out there in the beginning so people know that that's something that I'm not avoiding or hiding and that's who I am and I'm not afraid to say it. But obviously, it doesn't define me. It's not something I'd say to somebody when I'm walking up to them and introducing myself. That would be very weird. But for these purposes, for YouTube and for this channel, for this podcast, I don't mind saying it and just putting it out there right up front. Yeah, episode one is done. And I wanted to thank everybody who listened to it for listening. And I want thank you, Mom. And I want to thank um, people who gave me feedback. I got a lot of really nice feedback. I don't know, maybe people were holding back on the negative feedback. The only thing negative I heard was that the volume might have been too low on Spotify. So I went back to Audacity, which is what I'm recording on. And I'm really close to the mic, so I'm hoping that will help. And I'm doing full volume for recording. I had it like at 8.7. I didn't realize that. I don't know. Maybe that'll make a difference. I hope it does. It is so weird to see my logo on the places where I look at podcasts on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. I I still can't believe it. It's really exciting to see it in my podcast library next to all my true crime podcasts that I listen to and a couple of comedy podcast that I listen to. Eric doesn't listen to podcasts at all, but uh, I always like to fill my empty air with it. Like if I'm doing dishes or just anything around the house cleaning, I always have a podcast playing in the car. I've actually forgotten about music. It's really sad. I really don't listen to music anymore. I listen to podcasts so much, which is like, you know, it's like the AM radio from the 70s and 80s, kind of newfangled AM radio. And I love it. And I was always a huge I still am a Howard Stern fan, so I've listened to Howard since, like, 92. So I've always been into radio and listening to people talking in the background about current events. And, you know, Howard Stern's a lot of comedy, but definitely they would talk about current events, and I just, I loved it. So now I have one, and uh, we'll see how this goes. Episode 2 is currently being made. Here we go. I did change my artwork. My daughter had that made for me for my birthday, for my 50th birthday. And that is my kitty Benny on my shoulder and a girl that she did, uh, she exchanged jewelry with. So my daughter has a jewelry business through Etsy and she had a trade with somebody who who does artwork like this. And so she gave her a picture of me and this girl, Beanables, at Beanables. I'll put it in the uh, show description. She is the one who made this artwork, and it was really just for my 50th birthday, and so I was thinking I would just add it to my profile pictures, and 
it didn't even dawn on me until I had already recorded my first episode that I needed really a better logo. What I was trying to use was a picture of myself and it was kind of blurry, so it wasn't really great. And Apple kept rejecting it. Apple Podcasts, they kept saying, no, this is, it needs to be 1400 by 1400 all the way up to 3000 by 3000. I was not getting what that meant at all. It had nothing to do with my picture being of poor quality or a picture of me. It was just that the picture had to be square. <laughs> it took me it took me a little while to figure that out. So, in my quest to find something better, a better picture, I was going through my camera roll and I remembered that I had this picture that Ryan had given me for my birthday and I was like okay I've got to use this this I can definitely use it's perfect actually I mean it's me in a cartoon form it's kind of great for a logo I had even gone on to Fiverr to look at um, somebody possibly making me something but I wasn't really sure how that worked and I'm a little you know I, I like to do everything myself so it's like I don't know if I'm comfortable putting that all in somebody else's hands and me paying for it. And then if I don't like it, do I still pay for it? How does that work? I don't really know. So I found this picture in my camera roll and I'm like, yes, that's it. So I go and I submit it. It looks perfect to me. And Apple just kept rejecting it, saying that the the dimensions were wrong. And I'm thinking this has something to do with the pixelation. Well, I guess it does, but I wasn't getting it until I put it onto the paint app on my computer and, you know, finally went around and around trying to figure out what this 1400 by 1400 was. And I finally saw where, you know, it basically had to be a square. And so I found a way to get the picture smaller. It did not happen quickly. It took me many, many tries to finally get it to be square. And then once it was square, it was automatic. Like Apple took it right away. And I was like, and that was, that was just for a review. That wasn't like a, you know, for sure this is happening, but it's, the, I had already recorded the podcast, but the logo had to be right. So everything was uploaded onto Podbean, which is like the main hub. I don't know the right terminology for these all these different sites, but I'll, I'll get it eventually. So you upload it to Podbean, and then from there it goes out to all the other podcast sites. And Spotify and Podbean work like hand-in-hand, hand, so whatever you upload on Podbean goes automatically onto Spotify. And then Apple and Google were the ones that I have to wait for approval for. So where was I going with all that? So the logo was finally approved for review through Apple and then Google also. And it was just, you know, it was the square that finally worked. But what I did is, is after I uploaded it, I realized that it didn't explain enough. And I thought somebody, somebody had written to me and said it was somebody I went to high school with, Sharon. She said, oh, don't stop meow. And I was like, oh, that's really cute, but oh no, because now people probably think this is a podcast about, you know, me being a cat lady or something. I don't know. And so it wasn't clear enough to me with a picture of the cat on my shoulder, obviously, that this is not really 100%, I keep saying that, not a channel all the way about me having HIV or it being all about HIV, although it's going to be, obviously, there will be a lot of talk about HIV, but I thought I need to incorporate somehow HIV into this logo so it's more clear and then I just kept thinking and thinking do I get rid of the cat do I erase him or what can I do to make this more obvious that if somebody goes by it when they're looking at podcasts and searching that it has something to do with HIV and I was like oh hello red ribbon 
So I took the logo and I went into paint and I just threw those on there with a little highlighter marker and made the one for the cat a little bit smaller for Benny. That's Benny. And I, my daughter said that she thought it looked like the artist had done it. She thought it looked really good. So I'm really happy with it. And then I went ahead and resaved those um, into Podbean and I was wondering if they would just automatically go through to the other podcasts and they have. So I'm super happy. That's a story on the logo. I'm really happy about it. And I still need to find music. I really would love to find something that's close to Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. But, you know, I haven't looked into that yet. So I'll be looking on Fiverr to see what people can offer for an intro and outro song. And I'm excited about that because I know like with many of my podcasts, those jingles that they have are jingles that I know so well and they just go hand in hand with the show. And when I hear them, I'm kind of like, you know, excited to hear the show because I know their jingle and I want that for this podcast too. So next week I am planning on having, I call her my first wife and I'll get into more of that later. I am not a lesbian. It has nothing to do with that. (laughs) She was the first woman that reached out to me on my YouTube channel after I was diagnosed and put out my video. She was the first one. Like I, I was looking for that one woman, like somebody like me and she was it. And she's in South Africa and she has agreed to do this podcast and I'm really looking forward to it. We have talked, she and I have talked through DM on Facebook, like in real time, we've gone back and forth, but we've never ever spoken to each other over the phone. So this will be the very first time in four years that we've ever had a true conversation over the phone. And I want to capture all of that for my third episode. I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm so happy that she said yes to it because she's not out about her status but she is out on social media. And so I even said, you know, do you want me to use your first name? Do you want to make up a name? And she said she was fine with using her first name. And she said, if anybody recognizes her voice, that it's probably fine because it would just be people that know her that already know about her status anyway. And so she was, she's totally fine with it. But that really is a reason that people are hesitant to do it is because they don't want anyone to recognize them. And yeah, I, I don't blame them. And I know how that how that is because obviously I'm very close to the community for myself that wasn't an option for me I just couldn't be quiet about it but um, for the majority it's quite normal to not want anyone to know that you have it that's pretty much how HIV is which is kind of funny that just brought me to a comment or comments that I get from people that write on my channel and so many times they will preface their comment by saying I don't have HIV but And then it's always usually a really nice comment and they thank me for doing, you know, my advocacy work or just being out there with my status. And I think it's funny that people always have to clarify before they write a comment to me that they don't have HIV. And I always, I try to think like, would I say that if I don't have HIV, if I was on a channel speaking to somebody who had HIV, would I want to make sure that they knew that I didn't have it. I don't think I would say that, but I, it's really common. Like a lot of people say that and it's like, they just want to make sure like I I'm on your channel, but I don't have it. Like, I just want you to know. And, um, I don't really need to know either way. I, I think it's just kind of interesting. Maybe it's just something about human nature that 
people feel the need to share that they don't have it. I mean, man, be happy you don't have it. And then going back to last week's episode, I had said in there that I'm not hoping for a cure. What I meant to say is that I'm not waiting for a cure. Of course we hope for a cure. That would be amazing. But like Eric and I always talk about, what cure is there? I mean, like, unless I'm missing it, but what cure is there for any virus? I mean, herpes doesn't have a cure. Like, there's no viruses that, that when, when you go to the doctor and you have a virus, what do they tell you? Go home. It'll get better with time. I mean, unless obviously it's HIV, but, you know, if it's bacterial, that's another story. Then you get antibiotics. But when it's viral, you're just told to go home and just, you know, drink lots of liquids, get a lot of rest, ibuprofen, right? But there's no cure for viruses. So if they're going to find a cure, I feel like it's going to be something they've never done before. So, and although there have been people that have been quote unquote cured of HIV, the means that they were cured are not practical for the general public. These were people who had leukemia. There was bone marrow transplants included. Their donors were patients who had the gene where they couldn't get HIV, something like that. There was a lot of things that were going right for this to happen. It's not practical in any way for the general public. So as far as a cure, I just, you know, I mean, if it happens, that'd be great, but I am not holding my breath. And when those articles come out that shed light on a cure, I get you know, everyone's sending me the articles. Did you see? Did you see? Did you see? And this has been going on for five years now. So of course I don't feel excited when I see them because I know what it means. It's hype. It's just hype. They come and go constantly. And, um, I, like I said, I won't feel excited until my doctor says that it really is here and you really are not going to have it anymore. Until then, I'm definitely not waiting if it happens, it happens. That's kind of how I feel about it. So today I am going to bore the heck out of everybody who knows me because they've already heard this a million times. So this really, the rest of this podcast right now isn't for you. If you want to just move on out and turn this thing off, I wouldn't blame you. I am going to tell my HIV AIDS story for the people that find my podcast who have never heard of me because that's possible. It could happen. So yes, today is about my HIV AIDS story. And, um, but you know, if you've heard it before, maybe there's something that you'll catch that you haven't heard before. And you never know. I, I do share little tidbits that maybe I forgot and I might end up doing that this time as well. So sit back, get something to drink and we'll get into this. Also, I think it's really important for me to always share this story, whether it's me saying it through some type of recording, you know, my channel or here or another podcast or speaking somewhere or telling someone in person because you just don't know who you're going to help. And I do know that it helps to talk about this and share it as much as possible because it is obviously one of those things that for the most part, people do not want to talk about. So with that said, this is where it all began. So I'll go back to the beginning of 2016. And Eric was out here for the winter. He was my boyfriend at the time. Spoiler alert, he is now my husband. 
and he was here he comes out from about november till march it was our second winter together so we had met in january like right after new year's i think our first message to each other was like 2015 it was like january 1st and we had been together you know through march and then we'd gone back and forth and seen each other all through the summer and then he came back in november and so this was our second winter together we're on our basically one year anniversary it just had happened our one year anniversary and i had just felt more and more kind of just cruddy is all i can think of is just tired basically feeling really run down and achy this started in about probably december going into january and of course after i was diagnosed looking back there was a lot of other symptoms leading up to it but i was not putting that together with what i was feeling at that time in december and january so i really just thought i was just you know it was colder out we were surfing so i felt like i was getting cold from surfing and so that was making me feel more tired maybe and achy but i do recall subbing a third grade class and when the kids were at recess i remember going over to their little library area and laying down on a beanbag and just looking at the clock and like i'm probably even putting an alarm on my phone just to give myself 15 minutes to lay there and get a breather and to try to just sleep for a second because i was so tired and just achy and i really oh i did it in a science classroom too i remember laying on the cold tile floor and laying on my back with my feet on the ground and my knees up and thought if anybody walks in here they are going to think i am crazy i'm sure i put my hair on a book or something or my backpack so that my hair wasn't on the dirty you know those floors those science floors that are full of like dust and hair and <laughs> dirt but i'm sure i was laying on a backpack um so i do remember the school and laying on that floor also and i think i had a break i think i had an hour break or something and i i just thought i've got to lay down i cannot sit up anymore i just feel terrible but i didn't want to go home because that's just not me i always stay with my jobs and finish them regardless it would be a very rare day that i would actually just tell them i had to go home and i was sick but as soon as i got home man i was in the bathtub like every day so very tired very achy taking baths every day just to deal with this achiness that i was feeling and i was going to the doctor which was it's doctors on duty here where i live and basically it's kind of they call it a doc in the box so every time you go in you are going to see probably a different doctor every time it depends who's working that day so i didn't have really a doctor that i saw on a regular basis and you know everything was basically being chalked up to viral just viral you know and after like three weeks of this i think i went three different times in three weeks and i know you know eric and i had only been together a year and it's funny because looking back eric thought i was being maybe a little like not a hypochondriac but he thought oh, okay well this is how this girl works she goes to the doctor all the time you know he didn't know i mean we really didn't know each other that well it had only been a year and but i said i've got to go back like i'm not feeling better something's wrong and what really struck me was when i finally started to have fevers and i was having night sweats in the middle of the night of course i thought the night sweats were my body's way of breaking the fever 
And I thought, oh, that's a good sign. But then the fevers were happening during the day, and I just thought, oh my God, I just, I've got to go back. So they took blood work, and the blood work came back abnormal. There was no testing for HIV at that time. It was just blood work. And it came back abnormal, and it looked like I had something going on with um, my sugar levels. So it almost looked like I was diabetic. Now it was weird. And I remember my aunt even saying, Jennifer, that's that's a worrisome, you know, like, what is, what's going on? You know, like, I hope like this is, sounds kind of serious. Like she was concerned and thank you, Aunt Janie, if you're listening to this, I do remember you being concerned about that, but they still didn't have any answers. And so, um, they sent me to another specialist. I can't remember. I feel, I don't have the dates. It was like either the next day or like a couple days later. But I think it was a couple days later because I think I remember, I, yeah, we I had the weekend before I had gone to that specialist and Eric was sick too, ironically, but it had nothing to do with what was going on with me. He just actually had a cold. So we were both sick. So then, of course, there's this wondering if maybe whatever I had was now getting him sick, you know, still thinking it's just something viral. But honestly, I also thought it could be a parasite from the ocean because like I said, Eric and I had been surfing. It was wintertime. It was cold. The ocean had been churned up with a lot of debris from the rivers. You know, the rivers run down from the mountains in Santa Cruz and sometimes the, I don't know, the E. coli levels in the ocean are higher. And that made sense to me. And I remembered even swallowing some water and when I had, which was like, I don't know, a month before that, I remember I ended up having diarrhea like the next day or like later on that day. And I thought, that's it. That's got to be what it is. It's just some parasite that I somehow swallowed. And now it's just, you know, all over in my body and they're going to find out what it is. They'll give me some special antibiotic for it and it will go away. That was kind of what I was thinking. So we laid through that weekend on the couch together. There's a picture in one of my videos of us laying on the couch because I was documenting things for Facebook back then. I didn't use Instagram back then and everything was on my Facebook. So I had taken a picture of us laying on the couch and the, you know, the dog was laying above me with his feet kind of dangling in my face. And I just remember thinking, I just was like, Ugh, I don't even care, whatever. I had no appetite. It was totally nauseated and Eric kept saying, you just, you got to eat something. And I'm like, I can't, like, I just, you know, when you're nauseated, you don't have a desire to eat at all. That's the last thing you can actually do is put food down your throat. Cause yeah, that's, it just doesn't, doesn't work. So I went to the specialist on Monday and he was an internal medicine doctor. He was there at the hospital where I had two of my kids and that's where his office happened to be. It was right there at the same location. And so he had me do blood work right away. He asked me a bunch of questions. He seemed quite concerned and which was making me a little nervous. And he asked me if he could test me for HIV. Of course, that, but it was in the midst of like a bunch of other questions. And I was just like, yeah, like, yeah, of course, like just test me for everything. And so we talked about rheumatoid arthritis, talked about meningitis. He even said, if I leave this appointment and I go home and I feel confused or anything and my fever gets higher to go to the emergency right away. Like it was scary. He didn't know what it was, but something was wrong. That's all that he knew is for sure something was wrong. And so the blood work goes out. And of course I say, if you find out anything, cause you know, I remember even people on Facebook 
wondering what was wrong with me. I'd written, I think, a couple posts that I had been sick and I just wasn't getting better and it had been a few weeks and I had some abnormal blood work and this is getting kind of crazy, you know? And so I'd shared all that on Facebook and people were having their guesses and please let us know and, and all that. And so I, um, I said to him, yes, please let me know if you find out anything. Um, I want to know as soon as possible. So I went home and just, again, just <laughs> everything was such an effort. I just went home and laid on the couch. I probably took a bath first and then got enough strength to get the pajamas on and go lay down on the couch. And around 7.30-ish, so it was probably about three hours after I had left the lab and I they drew a lot of blood. I took a picture of that even for my Facebook and said, I'm here getting blood drawn and it's a crazy amount of blood and God, I hope they find out what the heck is wrong with me. You know, and in my mind, I'm thinking whatever it is, I would be able to share it with people. But yeah, again, HIV was not on my mind at all. And so the phone rings and it's him and Eric sitting across the room for me. Again, I'm on the couch and I sat, I remember sitting up and listening to him and I hear, I mean, it was, it was a very short conversation. I just remember him saying that he doesn't really know how to tell me this, but he did get a positive result for something. And I'm like, thinking, what is he going to tell me? And he says, you tested positive for the HIV antibody. And I'm really sorry. And he said, but then like in almost the same breath, he says, you know, and he's kind of speaking quickly from what I recall. And he's telling me that this is, you know, a possible false positive that he's seen this before and you know don't get too concerned yet he's going to do more checking he wants me to go see a colleague of his the next day which would be an infectious disease doctor that worked in the same office or practice where he was and everything else after that was a bit of a blur I don't really remember that we spoke much more Eric's across the room with his eyes open and mouth like what what did he say what did he say because he could see that I'm like like I'm just in shock and I even said like I, I know I had my hand on my forehead and I was like rubbing my forehead and going oh my god like what you know and I'm already super sick like I feel terrible so then hearing the words or the letters HIV associated with what's making you sick and then of course everything that comes with it, all the stigma that just hit me like a ton of bricks. I just felt like I'd been run over by a truck. I could not psychologically really handle what I was hearing at that moment. And Eric's asking me what it is. And I'm looking at him and like, all I could think of, well, that's over because there's no way like I'm going to tell him this news and he's going to stay with me. And also, there's no way I can't not tell him what he just told me, what the doctor just told me, because there's no getting out of this. He's right there. Not that I wouldn't have said anything anyways, but it was kind of like there was no running from this situation. I had to tell him right then what he told me. And I said, he said it was HIV. And I just, I thought, my thoughts about Eric towards me at that moment were he must think that I am a very bad person and that 
there's a background to me that he's really unaware of and that this woman that he was very attracted to it's not who he thought I was to him and that's what I thought right away and I understood that because I felt like I'm not this person anymore automatically like I'm not this I'm not a mother I'm not a wholesome mother I'm a dirty I'm a dirty mother and I've clearly done something wrong and I am being punished and I am in big trouble and I can't believe that I have jeopardized my life by dating I must have done something wrong because why else would this have happened so all of those feelings and thoughts are swirling around in my head I'm looking at Eric and telling him this that it's HIV well strangely he immediately thought it was him that he must have given it to me and so he's concerned right away because he remembers that like a year prior or more than a year prior before we met he had had a really bad sore throat and he and <laughs> the funny thing is is though he did have strep throat and he was taking antibiotics for it he tested positive for strep but he still wondered if maybe that was HIV in some way. And then my daughter comes down. She's 15 at the time. That's my oldest daughter. And she gets on her phone. I honestly was just too, I was too physically ill and I was too psychologically just in a, I don't even know what to call it. I couldn't think straight. I was too upset. My head was spinning. My whole world was spinning. So to try to get on my phone and start researching HIV and what it all meant, and I honestly didn't know if I could even handle seeing what it meant at that moment because I didn't know what I was going to find if I looked it up on the internet. So I didn't, and my daughter Joey did, and she started looking it up, and she said, you know, Mom, people don't die from this today. You know, there's medication. And in my mind, in the very beginning, even for the first like few four or five days, I thought I was probably going to have to find a doctor and spend tons of money to go see a specialist. Like I'm thinking there's probably only specialists in San Francisco. It's probably really expensive. You know, will I be able to afford this medication? My gosh, all of these thoughts. And I had a friend in San Francisco who was connected to the LGBTQ community. I think I spoke to her that night and she got in touch with some friends and some of them knew right away that I needed to have two things that I needed to know right away about my blood. I needed to know my viral load and I needed to know my CD4 count. And I remember hearing those things. Of course, this is now a very big part of my life. And these two terms are just part of having HIV and they just come with the territory. But I remember hearing those two things and just being like, what have I gotten myself into? Oh my God, what is this viral load CD4 count? What are these? Like what? So I found out that I needed to get those things checked and I eventually did obviously, but I really didn't know where this was all going that night. And I got off the phone with the doctor, like I said, within probably five minutes five to ten minutes I didn't feel like it was that long of a phone call and I had to somehow figure out and this is not unusual I know lots of people who have gone through what I've gone through where they got the news and there was no assistance or any kind of support and I know one woman who got her information while opening her mail for life insurance and that's where her results were 
while she's opening up her mail in her car and she reads in the life insurance denial letter that she's HIV positive. I mean, can you even imagine? Can you imagine? So, and a lot of people don't believe, and they can't believe that I got the results over the phone, but I had asked them to call me. So that was totally legit. It does happen that way. And he wasn't an HIV specialist and I get it was after hours and maybe he just didn't know what else to provide for me at that time of the night. I don't know. I don't know how I slept that night. I really don't. But somehow, somehow I got through the night. So the next morning, Eric went to Planned Parenthood and he was tested. Oh, no, wait, let's go back before he tested. We had talked that night and we sat there and I'd say within 30 minutes, I get crap from people for this. Like, how many people were you with? Well, I had been dating and I had to think about who I had been with, who was high risk. And there was somebody that was 100% high risk because he had had a drug past and I had been told when he had spent time in Los Angeles he and I had had a relationship years before. It was in 2014. We had actually met in 2009, me and this person, and then we had time in between where we didn't see each other. And I had actually tested for HIV in 2011. So I know that I didn't get it from him in 2009. um, But I had tested in 2011 because I worked at a doctor's office and me and a bunch of the girls decided to take a HIV test because... I don't know. We just all did it as a group. And we, I remember we all kind of thought, wouldn't it be crazy if somebody came back positive? And, um, you know, not that I know of, I don't think anybody else did. I know I didn't. I was negative at 2011. So this person came back into my life in 2014. And then we resumed our relationship for about eight months. And it was during that time that I contracted it. So that's a whole nother story. And I will get to that. So I knew that this person was high risk because they had had a drug passed. And they had shared with me that there was an interest in transgender women. And I knew that he had had experience with transgender women. And so that's high risk. So it's, you know, male genitalia. So within about 30, 40 minutes, I said to Eric, no, I know, I know. I'm pretty sure where this came from. And so the next day, Eric went down and tested, but he still worried that it was him. I didn't think it was him at all. And for some reason, I don't know why I knew this then, but I wasn't worried that I gave it to him. I just, I I mean, I was holding my breath a little bit, but I had this feeling that this was not really common for women to give it to men. And I was right. Eric was negative and he did not have this from me. And he had been exposed to me pretty much from the beginning. So maybe people will call that irresponsible. Probably was, you know, we've talked about that, like why we didn't ever use anything. And we know we were committed to each other and we kind of had that figured out from the very beginning, but you know, why didn't we go and test at all during our relationship? I can't say that there's anybody that I've ever done that with where I got into a relationship and I said, you need to test, you know, or we need to test. And a lot of people say that to me on my YouTube channel, like, that's the first thing you should do when you get into a relationship is test. And I don't know why, but that was never my protocol. I just didn't do that. So probably it is a good idea to do that, but it just wasn't 
It just wasn't something I did. Hindsight is 2020, right? That's how it always is. And so neither of us had tested anyways. So he comes back negative. Like I said, I seem to, I don't know why I knew that, but I just wasn't concerned that he would be positive. I just felt like this isn't going to be something that he will have. But then also when he came back with that negative, I thought, well, now we'll see if he stays. <laughs> and he was staying at my house at the time for another month. And so I knew that he could leave at that moment, but I know Eric and he's a good guy. And I, it would have been strange for him, knowing him, for him just to pack up and leave and say, I'm out of here because he cared about me. We loved each other. You know, we were in love and we'd been together for a year already. And it, I think that would have been strange for him to do that. But what eventually happened is that my mom had to come down to take care of me. So I know that would have been strange if my mom was here and Eric all of a sudden just packed up and left. So we made the, you know, I'll get into more of that in a little bit, but we made the best of the next month together while I was trying to recover. And, you know, my, thank God my mom was able to come and take care of me. I did not want Eric to take care of me. I didn't want him to see me in, you know, the way that I was. And I was getting more sick, and I just knew that this was not sexy, you know. This was, this was not the woman that he's attracted to. I mean, I was sick with a virus that I had contracted from another man. And so those are the things that, you know... You, it, great like this is like what you really want the man who's in love with you to be looking at when he sees you so the more that he could be away while he was here even though he was still staying here the better it was for me you know but he did stay and when he left he just said just get better I mean he was really sweet he wasn't trying to avoid me or anything he was still close to me he knew that he was negative and he felt that my god if I didn't get it in all that time that we'd been together with you know, as he put it, what did he say? We shared a lot of fluids, is what he told the doctor. Sorry if my kids hear this. I don't think they'll ever hear this. But, um, you know, he's like, we've been, you know, very, very intimate. Like, how is it that I don't have this? You know, and it just is. That's how it is. HIV has to make it to your bloodstream. So, you know, how it's going to get from a woman inside a man is just really, really uncommon. And, okay, so... I had basically figured out that evening who it probably was, and it took me about four days to get a hold of that person through contacting his cousin through Facebook and asking her if, you know, he had been sick, and I hadn't spoken to him really, and I don't think I had at all. Well, about maybe like a month or two after we broke up, I had some stuff we had to exchange from each other, but that was it. And then we went our separate ways, and it wasn't that... There was a lot of animosity towards each other. It was just over, and we were moving on with our lives, and I had no reason to contact him after that. But he found out that he was HIV positive about two and a half months after we broke up. And so that was at the end of 2014. He found out we broke up right at the end of August of 2014. So before the end of the year, he knew he had HIV. He knew I'd been exposed for all that time, and he didn't call me, which is fine. I know people get really mad about this on my YouTube channel. And they say he should be in jail. And no, he shouldn't be in jail. So he didn't know he had it. I know for sure that he did not know that he had it. 
I knew him very well. And if he had a cold, I heard about it. If he had HIV during the time that we were together, I would have known. And he would have known because we would have talked about it. He wasn't hiding anything. So he, and he had, he had been sick. He'd been having, um, stomach issues the whole time we're together. He had diarrhea all the time. We thought it maybe he had colon cancer. We couldn't figure it out. And he had said to me, you know, I had shared needles for drugs when I was in Los Angeles with the girl that I was dating. And I'm pretty sure I tested for HIV. I'm pretty sure like he couldn't remember. And he said, but he had no money. And he said, if you want me to test for it, this is of course back in 2014 when he was living with me. If you want me to test for it, I can, but I don't have any money. You're probably going to have to pay for it. And I'm a single mom of three kids. And I'm thinking, how am I going to, I don't know what it, maybe it's $200. I have no idea. So I said, we'll go with what you think. Hello. And we'll just ignore the fact that we think that you are, you know, negative. We're just going to, you know, pretend basically that you don't have it. Um, I don't mean it like that. I really, you know, if I thought he had it, then I think we would have looked into it more, but we didn't. And so I, I don't know if we were just living in la la land or what, but anyways, he had it. And I don't know why, because there were so many signs there, how we didn't think it was HIV, but I just recall him saying that he was pretty sure he was negative, pretty sure, pretty positive. He was negative, but he wasn't. And so he, when he was diagnosed, he had been getting sicker. And so that's why he was finally tested for HIV. Um, he was in Sacramento at the time when he tested and I live in Santa Cruz, which is about three hours away. So his county clinic, what should have happened is you give the name and number of anybody who's been in contact with you while you think that you have had HIV and they'll contact those people for you. And it's really the safest way to go, really, because HIV can lead to legal issues. It can lead to violence. There's so many things that can happen when someone shares that they have HIV and that they've exposed you. And so then also, you know, their secret and that goes against HIPAA guidelines. So, I mean, unless they want to share it with you, but legally, if you have HIV, you do not have to contact the people on your own. You can give the names and numbers of the people that have been exposed to you, you know, unknowingly, and they will contact them for you. And that's really, that's exactly what he did. But I never got the call. Why I never got the call, I do not know. I do believe with everything in me that he gave my name and number to the clinic. He did not hate me. He wouldn't have done that to me. And when he found out that I had it and that I was very sick, he was devastated. He didn't have a bone to pick with me at all. He was genuinely upset about it. And, you know, he, he even owed me money and a check for a thousand dollars came in the mail like two weeks later. I'm sure he didn't even have that money. I don't even know how he got it, probably from his parents. But, you know, maybe he was concerned I was going to sue him. I don't think so. But um, he did send me some money that he owed me. So that was actually kind of nice. I would never go after him legally. I didn't have that vengeance. I don't have that's not in me. I was more upset with the clinic that they didn't contact me and why they didn't. So, of course, our county looked into it, our county clinic and we never got an answer. We couldn't figure out why they had not contacted me, but 
I always look back and I think that if I had been contacted, I would have known really early on, I would have been on treatment, I would have never gotten sick, my story wouldn't have happened the way that it did, I never would have gone public, I never would have been able to help all those people. So I, I did tell him at one point, like, I'm grateful that I didn't find out. I'm grateful that I've gone through everything I did because it put me where I am now and it made everything happen the way it was supposed to happen, really. Because if I had found out early on, again, I would have never made a YouTube channel. I would have never talked about it, for sure. It, it was because I got so sick. And because I got better that I decided to share my story and that was really 100% why and I wanted to find another woman who had gone through what I did because my symptoms were missed so much and they were all there you know the yeast infections the reoccurring yeast infections they weren't just reoccurring they were the worst yeast infections I've ever had in my life and it wasn't anything you could see um, it just itched like to no end like so bad I like I've described it in my video my 16 symptoms video that I was literally taking my fingernails I mean I don't mean to be graphic but I was scratching myself so badly that I was bleeding like not bad bleeding but I was like on tissue like there was blood because I had I was itching so bad and it was it was uncontrollable yeast and it was incredibly uncomfortable and no amount of diflucan or any of those injectables were doing anything so there was that and I had a swollen lymph node and you know lots of sore throats over time over the period when we broke up and I had then I realized my initial symptoms when I seroconverted was when I just had this four-day rip-roaring headache and I never had a headache so it really stood out because I just remember this one moment where I was looking over at my daughter in the car and I could, oh, I could just barely even like look over at her. It hurt so bad. And it was just so strange because I, like I said, I just never have headaches. So I remember that and I had ended up going to a doctor, a gastroenterologist at the same time because I was having basically pain in my esophagus. And I, during that appointment, which was about three weeks after the person that gave it to me, after he left... Um, it was about three weeks after we broke up when I had that appointment and I had said to that doctor that I'm having this pain in my, the base of my esophagus, like I, from kind of where your solar plexus is, I was having pain right there, like just uncomfortable pain. And I'd had that pain before years ago in college when I took, uh, azithromycin and it, I had a reaction to it. I'm someone who just can't have that for whatever reason. I'm not allergic to it. I just I have a weird reaction to it I'm sensitive to it or something like that so anyways it felt like that it just felt like there was uncomfortable almost like gas or something in there but it hurt and so I said to this gastroenterologist at that, that appointment that I was having a really bad headache at the same time is there any connection like I remember just being so perplexed by having these two things happen at the same time because I'm thinking they're not connected your head is not connected to your stomach like what is going on and I remember that poor doctor, he wouldn't have known any different because he didn't know I had HIV. He just said, well, stop drinking so much coffee. But I knew at the time I only drank a cup a day. So could that really be causing this esophagus problem? <laughs> but the esophagus problem did go away, as did the headache, because when you seroconvert, the symptoms do come on really strong and very hard. And they're, 
really acute is the word I was looking for and they do subside and they do go away and then the virus goes into this stage where it's basically just it lays quiet for a long time and although mine did for the most part it was still doing little things and sending little signs out and dropping little hints along the way until I finally got really sick and um, I finally got my blood work back and my blood work said that I had a CD4 count of 84 and anything under 200 is considered AIDS which basically means that you're more susceptible to opportunistic infections and little did I know but I was in the very beginning stages of PCP pneumonia when that blood work came back so they didn't know it at the time I um, I ended up with you know more fevers happening and a cough and shortness of breath right after I realized that I actually had AIDS and that turned into three weeks of really just awful sickness because the right medication didn't come through um, there's so much more to this story and I you know I could go on and on about how those that first month went it was a really rough time I was very very sick and the best part is is that I got better and what happened was is that I couldn't believe that not only did I get better but I felt normal like that was the most amazing feeling and it's really what made me catapulted me basically into knowing that I had to share this like I had to tell people like you're not gonna believe this like I actually feel normal and there's many reasons why I went to social media with this information um, and it was all very you know I didn't know anything was gonna lead to anything honestly I had I couldn't have ever expected that I would be doing anything that I'm doing now back then that was not you know you can't look into the future and know that this is where it's all gonna end up going I did know that I wanted to try to find another woman with HIV that was really important for me and I went about five months, you know, from the day I was diagnosed until August before I did my first YouTube video. And I thought, I need to put something out on YouTube and see if anybody can, you know, will find it and reach out back to me. And then I'll, maybe I'll have a buddy. <laughs> There's some other woman out there who has what I have and has gone through what I have gone through. And so that's what I did. I put out a YouTube video with Eric's blessing, my family's blessing. And you no, know, at that point, I had already, t I could not keep this a secret. I told people from the very first night that I, when I was diagnosed, that you're not going to believe this, but I was diagnosed with HIV, like, can't believe this. And um, it had always been just a, such an absurd feeling, and I just couldn't believe that here I was with AIDS and the whole thing. But really what happened was is the medication for the pneumonia cleared up that condition and then I started taking the HIV medication and all the symptoms for HIV went away and my viral load went from 507,000 to undetectable within like a month meaning the virus is just the amount of virus in your system is so low that they can't even find it and again like I said I felt normal and the medication had such small side effects I thought well this is really something and this is not what most people know about HIV they think that this is a death sentence they think that the medication is toxic and it's making people really sick they think that they can't afford it and there was all these questions that of course or misconceptions that even I had 
that I thought, boy, most people don't know about this. And so that was uh, what basically made me move forward to make that video. And I even remember when I had like the first like 35 subscribers or the first thousand views and just could not believe like that was happening. Like, who are these people? And what do they want from me? Like what? You know, because at first I didn't have any idea who was seeing it. It was going well beyond my Facebook friends, which was who I just originally shared it with. And then I realized the comments were coming from other places and they had nothing to do with people that I knew. And that was weird because all I had ever known before that was just Facebook and everything was always, you know, surrounded by people that knew me. So any comments were from people I knew. And then that began the beginning of trolls and me learning really quickly that there are not nice people on the internet and they have a good time telling you exactly how they feel about you and your condition. And I thought, wow, I did not put this out there to have people beat me up, even though I understood that I would get some negative comments. I really, in the beginning, don't know that I was totally psychologically prepared for what I got. Um, now I'm, you know, I understand it so much more and I get why people say the things that they say. It's just comes from a place of ignorance and fear and that fear is directed at me. People don't like what they don't understand and it's just easy to throw it back at somebody and say all the things that they've heard over the years about what HIV is. It's just a virus. I mean, if you've had a virus, this is just another virus. And so it just happens to be one that will be with me forever. And I take a pill every day that keeps it, you know, undetectable. So it's not affecting me. It doesn't affect anybody else. And there's so much more to it. But that is basically my HIV AIDS story. Um, I didn't really get into all of the medication issues and why I got so sick. That's kind of detailed. And those are, that's all in my videos. But there was some confusion in the beginning or lack of accessibility for me and the medication that I needed and so and it is in my videos I have a whole playlist on my HIV AIDS story and I get into all of that and what happened but I got really really sick and maybe more sick than I ever needed to be but it it's you know things happen with insurance and medication and you know I don't want to say that I slipped through the cracks but in a way I felt like I kind of did I got I just got really sick so I'm um, super happy to say that I'm here today and I'm very, very healthy and all is well. So um, thank you for joining me for my second podcast. I apologize if you've heard this story a million times and I probably forgot stuff for those that have never heard it. I tried to remember as much as I could, sometimes um, dates and, you know, I've probably left out something really major and I'm just I can't, I'll remember next week and say, I cannot believe I forgot to say that, but <laughs> that happens. So I probably, probably have done that. Hopefully I remembered everything that needed to be said for those who have never heard my story and they, they know more about why I came out publicly and, um, yeah, what, what I'm all about and why I'm doing this. So, um, okay. I'm going to cut it off there. I hope you are all well and I hope you have a great week. It's Monday. Enjoy the week. Enjoy this last week of September. We're almost into October here. All right, guys. I will see you next Monday with a new episode. I can't wait to share my interview with Miss Catherine. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share. Thanks, guys.